I want us to start this today, a different kind of a start. We're going to start in the book of Ezra. Who's read Ezra lately? Okay. Well, nor have I. Chapter 1, verse 1. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, that the mouth of might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. This is a heathen king, and God gets a hold of him. This is really interesting. So they made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord God of heaven has given me, and he has commanded me. So this is God commanding a heathen king. Put your head around that. To build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is among you of all his people? May his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God, which is in Jerusalem. 1993, my father with his brother, which is my, um, my uncle and my grandfather, came to New Zealand. Why? God stirred their hearts up, came to New Zealand. They don't know it was God that stirred them up, but it was. While they're here, 1933, my uncle, my dad's brother, who's 19 years old, dies. He's buried in Whanganui. <clears throat> you can imagine what my grandparents felt when my father then said, I'm taking my wife, that's my mum, and my two kids, and we're going to go and live in New Zealand. Think about it from the grandparents' point of view. They just lost their only other son to this nation, which you had to get to by boat. took months to travel. Communications, very limited. The shock that their only other son would then not just go himself, but take the wife and their two grandchildren, two daughters, here to New Zealand. In fact, they opposed my parents coming, and so they had to get someone else to kind of help sponsor them and get them to the nation because God wanted them here. Once they're, back in, once they're in New Zealand, there's um, four more children are born, so there's four more boys, and I was the last of six children. I'm glad they didn't stop at five. <laughs> and I know some of you wished he had stopped at five, but it's too late, I'm here. And, um, and so we, we lived in uh, Simon Street, for quite a number of years, we had a fruit shop there, and it was four levels. So it was called the underground. This we used to, the boys used to go down. We used to play cricket and hockey and, I mean, everything. It was reasonable size, not that wide, but we, you know, we, 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 we made it happen down there. Played Monopoly and all these games downstairs and made a golf course up, out the back there. Very, very in, in, inventive because there's four boys, you see. And uh, was, that was a ground floor underground. Then there was a level where the shop was, and that's where the kitchen and dining room and all that were. The next level was a mezzanine where the television was. And then the final floor, the top floor, the fourth floor, uh, was uh, the bedrooms with one bathroom and no shower. And um, there was, there was, but the problem is there's only three bedrooms, and there's eight of us. Work that out. Mum and dad get a room. Two sisters get a room. Four boys. We share the same room for about 10 years. Initially, there weren't even four beds, all right? So any of you young people complaining about your accommodation, get a life, all right? <laughs> Come and talk to me if you want sympathy. But it, it was great. We, we really enjoyed it, and we had, we had a lot of fun. So then I went to Auckland University, and I get to my final year of studying. I'm about to graduate with law and commerce. 
And I thought the world is at my feet, and I had a great future ahead of me. <clears throat> to my shock, there's this incredible emptiness in my heart. This void, and I'm thinking, God, I wasn't thinking God then, but I was thinking, this doesn't make any sense. My life was going well. My social life was great. I played sports. I played, you know, played the toughest game that there is on the planet, which is hockey. And um, it's, 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 that's only for the really macho, strong, tough <laughs> hockey boy. You can't handle that rugby. Okay. And so things were really good. And I just, this, this emptiness. So that started this big search. I thought, there's, there's got to be more to life. This is what I couldn't work out. Listen to this. As a non-Christian, I thought, okay, so you're telling me, whoever, so you're born, go to school, maybe do a qualification, get married, have kids, have a job, retire, die. It's over. I thought, well, there's something missing. What's the point of that? I thought that... Something inside me just said, that cannot be all there is to life. There's got to be something else. And of course, we now know that there is. There's an eternity to be faced. That this life on earth is just a whisper, a moment, a second, a shadow. It's just a vapor. It's just passing. And, and then there's a life out. But I didn't know that. That's what got me searching. So I went to Hare Krishna meetings. I went to Christian science. I searched this. I went to that and tried a few other things there to try and fill this emptiness in my heart. Long story short, university, two, two Christians come along. One's a real evangelist, but they both share Christ with me in their own way. And I give my life to Jesus Christ. My father, my parents were Hindus. My grandparents were Hindus. My great-grandparents were Hindus. For generations, you can trace this for generation after generation, hundreds, maybe more than that, years, it's a long line of Hindus. This is a credible stronghold of Satan holding this, this whole line of people in bondage and captive to, 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 uh, to the kingdom of darkness. And then suddenly, heaven invades earth, the chains are broken, the captive is set free, and I am born again by the Spirit of God. The chain of Hinduism is busted, is broken, and now God has, has saved me, and it's my responsibility, and what I'm doing now is I'm raising up another line, a new line, a line of Jesus lovers, a line of Jesus followers, those who will passionately run with fire for the Lord Jesus Christ, because there is only one God, there is only one way to heaven, He is King of kings, He is Lord of lords, and His name is Jesus. A few years ago, so what happened after that is then my, my brother, eldest brother, gets saved. And then another one of my brothers has gotten saved. Then my father gets saved, 59 years of age, three weeks before he passes into eternity. Then my mother gets saved, would you believe, one week before she passed into eternity. And, and God has been working in all, all, all my family and the different ones and causing this line, this new line, to be set up. And sometimes I can almost sense my, my mom and dad, because they're both in heaven now, looking down on me and saying, son, you know, preach the gospel. Tell them about Jesus. Get this message to everyone you possibly can. So I went back to my parents' village in the Gujarat just a couple of years ago. I've been back before, but not as a Christian. And it was a very moving experience. Because as I was there and I looked around that village, I thought to myself, how easily 
I could have lived out my whole life in that village. That could have been my destiny. And I probably never would have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I wouldn't be saved in doing what I am doing today. But God had other plans. And so he worked in the, my parents' lives to bring them to New Zealand. He went to great lengths, stirred up unbelieving people, Hindus, to come to this nation because God in his eternal counsel could see that there would be a young man born in this nation who would then be saved and would uh, do what I'm doing today. And so God stirred up their hearts to get, get me here. And, you know, when I think of the alternative of maybe of never having heard the gospel, maybe never having been, been saved, I will be forever grateful to God for what he's done through my parents and for me living in New Zealand, being, uh, being saved in this country. And as a result of that, the, the gratitude of my heart, friends, is so great that is now I will do everything within my power within my energies, with the passion and the gifts and the abilities that God gives me. I'll give, do everything I can to get this message of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, to every tongue and every tribe and every nation and get it to the four corners of the globe that all must hear that Jesus is alive and Jesus saved. That's why I love Christmas so much, friends, because it was a dawn of redeeming grace. This day in the city of David, a Savior has been born. Who is Christ? the Lord. Friends, it's the greatest story ever told. There will never be a greater story than that. If you're going to tell stories out there, friends, that's the story to tell. What I'm sharing with you, friends, today is I believe the heart of God, but also the mandate on Church Unlimited. See, God's not just raised me up from New India to do this. He's raising up a church that is going to take this gospel to the four corners of the world. And already through running with fire, we're in over 100 nations of the planet. The vision, of course, is to get into all 400, 200 plus nations in the world. But you see, just as God stirred up the spirit of Cyrus to fulfill destiny, he stirred up my parents' hearts as non-Christians to fulfill the destiny that God had for my life. Once I was saved, God placed two words on my heart. It was amazing, really. The two words were harvest and nations. Harvest and nations. I didn't really fully know what it meant at that time. I was only a new Christian. But they were so strong that I went and bought this map of the world. <laughs> Think about this. 18-month-year-old Christian. Put it on my bedroom wall, and across the top I wrote in these big black letters, the word to the world. Over 30 years ago, friends. And today, God is fulfilling that statement <laughs> that I put on my wall over 30 years ago. Can you see the hand of God all over this? I can't imagine what my Hindu parents thought, the word to the world. Luke 19.10, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. God's always looking for lost things. Interesting, eh? Lost sheep, lost coin, the lost son. Friends, all around you, there's lost people. Go and search. Jesus was on this earth. He wouldn't spend a lot of time in here. He'd be out there searching for lost people. 
to bring them to a knowledge of God. Which raises another question. Who's better at finding lost things? Is it mothers or fathers? So I've decided being Father's Day that I'm going to give the fathers the, the big tick as better at finding lost things. How many fathers, fathers said? Okay, it's pretty weak. And all the mothers said? Yeah. <laughs> I think you guys haven't got a clue what's going on. <clears throat> Just last week, a gentleman came up to me after the service, and he said, um, some years ago, you prayed for me in the mall down the road. I can't remember it. He must have somehow collared me, told me his, what was going on. I just happened to pray for him. He said, I just want you to know that today I'm now saved. He said, I'm in this church and I'm also serving. All it was, friends, was some opportunity that came my way. You see, you never know the fruit that's going to take place of that person you just happened to pray for. That person you just happened to smile at and give an invitation to or whatever you might have done. Uh, and God can work with it. So reaching the lost starts with loving the lost. So you love people. And out of loving them, then God does, begins to work in their lives. So what I want to do is I want to show you what our campuses are doing across our nation. And um, it's really quite thrilling to see this. And so there's going to photos are going to come up. And you're going to see what's happening around the place. So starting with our city church, the REACH team... They started to hand out sausages in the streets. That's where it all began. And from there, they would, they would reach out to the homeless, the lonely. This is your church, friends, to the lonely in the heart of Auckland City. They'd give out soup and bread. They'd pray with them. They'd also explain to them about Jesus, invite them to church. As a result, different ones would come to church they said a lot of them got saved on the street. They said often four to five in a weekend would get saved through showing the love of God through some soup and bread and some sausages. Then they started an inner city life group for discipleship of those who were getting saved. Some are now planted in the church, water baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit and serving. They also do CV workshops to help people to get jobs involved in repairing and renovating places. And most of this, virtually all of it, is done by volunteers that God has mobilized and not by the pastors. I think that deserves a big chair for Church Unlimited City. That's what... Hey, take credit for it. That's what you're doing. That's what our church is doing. Let's head up to Whangarei. Recently did an outreach in Otangarei the poorest region of Whangarei. Problems with crime, violence, drugs, gangs, and abuse. And they worked with the local Marae. They were first, the first church group welcomed onto the Marae in 30 years. Wow. They gave out 200 blankets. They just took up an offering, got thousands of dollars from the church, gave out 200 blankets. They cooked 800 sausages, lots of cakes. They did a prayer team. The kids did face painting. They took in a team of 40 volunteers and I think got the biggest crowd the Marae has had of four, over 400 people. And the Marae people have said, Church Unlimited is welcome to return any time. Let's head down to Rotorua. Matt and Alicia, campus pastors, driving down to Rotorua, saying, God, what do you want us to do? Because I said, look, we've got to start reaching out with the love of God to that region. So Matt gets in the heart. He loved to reach out to the Polytech because it's an unreached area of Rotorua. 
And so they've talked about it, prayed about it. It goes, that's on Saturday drive. Now, Sunday, a woman comes up to them at the end of the, uh, before the service, and she, she uh, introduces her husband to Matt and says, oh, by the way, my husband works at Polytech, and if you ever want to do anything church-wise in Polytech, he is the man to talk to. How good is that, friends? How awesome is our God? It is, God's all over Church Unlimited, Roto. It's going to be a significant church for sure in that place. Here at the West, well, we do street evangelism. People are always getting involved, saved on the streets in West Auckland here. Uh, our healing rooms see amazing healings take place. We do breakfast in schools. We do Bible in schools. We have a number of chaplains in, in different places. The youth work in the high schools, we've been doing that 24-7 for many years now and really just sharing the love of God uh, into, the, into the high schools of West Auckland. But the youth also, especially during winter, they do breakfast for the homeless on Saturday mornings. I didn't know that. I think that's just absolutely fantastic. Then they pray for those who need jobs, those who are sick. They pray for healing. And, you know, they just befriend these people, some of these who are homeless. They've donated clothes and blankets have invited many to church. They've come. Some have been saved. And then, of course, we do Christmas in the car park. That gets over 2,000 people coming each year, just right out there, run by our youth department. Our food bank is a powerful ministry as well. Recently, a while ago, three ladies came in. They were invited to church. All three came, and all three gave their lives to Jesus Christ. And were saved. a week later, a sister and a brother-in-law attended, and they were saved. Then one of the ladies had an eye aspect of their eye healed, Two sons and a nephew came to church and they were saved. There was eight people saved in seven weeks through our food bank ministry. Can I encourage you to donate food to the food bank? That's what you can do for evangelism. Isn't it incredible? Who's inspired by what Church Unlimited's doing? It's just, let's go to Kaitai, shall we? Listen to this. Ladies group, every month, they meet in the Manukau Marae as an outreach to the community. Wow. I went over there, I thought, whew, this is amazing. Church members and youth help with a sausage sizzle at a skate bowl, and the youth team does prayer walking, and this inspired me, they pray over every house in their suburb of Kaitaia. Church Unlimited Kaitaia. The Limitless Youth also do sports nights at Kaitaia College. And let's not forget Tuvalu. We're up there recently, and they regularly go into the prisons. I think every week they go into the prison, um, sharing the love of God, and also into the hospital there. Uh, with, and they're very keen on evangelism up there in Tuvalu. And so here we go. We have six locations. That just gives you some idea of how Church Unlimited is showing the love of God to a lost world. And as a result of that, hundreds and hundreds are coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I say, well done, Church Unlimited. God told his church fundamentally to do two things. You know, some people think Christianity is really complicated. How, how does it all work? It's actually really simple. Six letters. Six letters, would you believe? The two things he basically said, what? Go. Mark 16, go into all the world, tell them about Jesus. See, go, that's two letters. It's not too complicated, is it? And then 
pray. Mark 11, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. It's like God says to us, if you just do those two things, we'll reach this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not complicated. It's not rocket science. The youngest Christian can understand those two things. Go. Tell the person next to you, go. Now tell them, pray. Now tell the person on the other side that you didn't prefer so much. Go. Say it together with me. Go. Pray. So why don't we? What, why, why is the church fundamentally, they don't pick up on those two things, which is so basic and so simple. Our world is, the nations of the world are in total disarray and torment and spiraling out of control. Isn't it interesting that of the two things Jesus said, one of them was, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all Nations. If the church was truly a house of prayer for all nations, would our world be in a different shape today? I want to suggest it would be. Church Unlimited has been raised up by God to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is go and pray. That's what New Zealand and beyond is all about. Go and pray. In many places, the Great Commission is now the great omission. You see, friends, can I be really honest? I don't think the devil cares tuppence about all the stuff that we do. As long as we don't tell people about Jesus, 